Thanks for joining me for another episode of Leonard Looks at Life. In this episode, we'll be looking at why we shouldn't give up too quickly. Well, we're almost to the end of January, and while 2024 still may be relatively new, a lot of those New Year's resolutions are long gone by the wayside already. In this episode, I wanted to look at why we quit, whether it's New Year's resolutions or many of the things we do. It seems like it's just human nature that we are very anxious and very willing to start things, but it doesn't seem like we're always willing to see them through. So I want us to look at some of the reasons why it seems like it is so easy for us to give up on things. And then I want to share a personal example of a time when things weren't quite as bad as they seemed when I was really on the verge of giving up. So why do we give up? Well, there are a number of reasons out there, but I think lots of times they boil down to the first thing is we start with unreasonable expectations. We just think we're going from zero to 60 in a couple of seconds in our life. That it's not I'm going to get healthy, it's I'm going to run a marathon next week. It's not I'm going to lose a few pounds, it's I'm going to lose 30 pounds this week. We just set very unrealistic expectations. We literally do set ourselves up to fail. And so the first thing is just to come up with better expectations. When we try to do something, when we take on a new task, a, a new skill, a new endeavor, to set some reasonable expectations, some things that we can handle and that we can build on. We don't want to set our goals too easy so that it takes no effort at all, but we also don't want to set them so far out that it's just going to be impossible for us to achieve any of that. Related to having unreasonable expectations, it's that all or nothing thinking. It's, well, if I can't run a marathon and win, I'm not even going to do it. Or if I can't be president of my company in a year, I'm just not even going to try. We want everything or we want nothing. But in life, things come in increments. And the more skills we develop, the more we are able to do something, the more we can take on. And so we don't need to set out with just this all or nothing thinking that, that we're so prone to do. Another reason why lots of times we give up so quickly is because we become emotionally driven. We just feel like it's something we should do or feel like people expect us to do it. But, but then we only do these things when we like it. And so if we don't feel like something, then we don't do it. And so being emotionally driven and only doing something when we feel like it, again, is setting ourselves up for failure. Similar to that, it's confusing the shoulds and the wants. That it might be something we want to do. It might be something we should do, but it's not really something we have any interest in. And if we don't have interest in the task that we're taking on, Again, we're going to lose interest when the going gets tough. We're going to be quick to give up. Sometimes it's because we can't say no. People ask us to do something, and we feel obligated to agree. We feel obligated to take on a new task. And then when things don't work out, we find excuses and we give up. Some of this can kind of be wrapped up in saying that we just don't have enough rewards and support to carry on in whatever endeavor that we're taking. It's easy to get motivated at the start of something, but it's not so easy to get motivated when things start getting more difficult. You know, if you think back, you can probably name a dozen things that at some point you thought, I'm going to do this, whether it was learning a language whether it was going on a diet and losing some weight, whether it was taking on an exercise regimen, whether it was learning how to woodcraft 
or a myriad of different things. I'm sure there are things you have taken on and then you've given up in your life. I want to encourage you that if you really have something that you want to do and you need to do, I want to encourage you to go about that in a logical, reasonable way and to not give up too soon. If you've started something, to carry on and not give up yet. I think the two biggest things that we have to do is set appropriate expectations, as we've said, to not set expectations that are just too easy or too hard. There are two ways to look at almost anything and two ways to look at ourselves in life. We can look at those who are more talented, who are smarter, prettier, wealthier, more gifted, and you can always find those people. And that tends to be where we gravitate. We say, well, I can never be as good as so-and-so. And if we're honest, there is somebody better than you. There's somebody better than me at anything. But too often, that's the only direction we look. We need to look the other way as well. That you are more gifted. You are more talented. You are better than some people at a number of things. And too often we forget that. We only look at those and say, well, I can never get to be that to that level. I can never be as good as so-and-so. And that's true. But you already are better than some people. And so part of it comes back to our competition in life. Shouldn't be keeping up with the Joneses across the street or the person at work that we're trying to overtake. Our competition should be with ourselves. It should be, am I doing the best job? that I can do? Am I utilizing my skills the best that I can? Am I doing everything I can to improve myself and make myself better? So our expectations need to be reasonable and our competition needs to be against ourselves. And so as we find our competition against ourselves, that should also help us to find our motivation. Our motivation to do things when the going gets tough is intrinsic motivation. It's motivation that comes from inside. We should always be competing against ourselves. We should find what floats our boats, what motivates us, what gets us excited, what will, what will we be willing to go the extra mile for. Those are the things that we need to use to motivate and get ourselves going. As I think of motivation and think about times in my life that I've tried to get motivated and been tempted to give up, there's one instance that really comes to my mind, and it was several decades ago now. I was working at a bank. I was working in internal audit. It was a good entry-level position for me. So I was a few years behind in my professional development. And it was a point in my life that I needed to start moving forward. I needed to catch up and make up for some lost time. And the best way to do this as I looked and I thought about things was to get professional certification. And I have a degree in accounting. And so the best professional certification for me was to become a CPA. And so I looked into this. To be honest, when I graduated from college, I did not think I would ever think about becoming a CPA. I was not the greatest accounting student. My grades weren't that wonderful. And so I just thought, you have no business even thinking about becoming a certified public accountant. Well, things had changed. My motivation, my situation had changed. And I thought, okay, now is the time I need to look into this. So I looked into it. And the first obstacle, because when we set goals and we, when we take on new things and we take on new challenges, there will always be obstacles. 
the first obstacle I came across was my accounting education. I graduated from school in Ohio, and they had a certain number of required hours to take the CPA exam. But at the time, I was living in Kentucky, and their rules were a little different. And where the difference came was when I was in college, where I attended, you had six elective hours in business. Four of those hours you had to take within your major, and the other two hours you could take in a different subject. So, as I said, I wasn't the greatest accounting student. If I had the opportunity to take one less accounting class, that sounded good to me. So I took four of those hours in accounting. I took the other two hours in marketing. Well, now, 12 years after I graduate, and I'm finally thinking about taking the CPA exam, I realize I am two hours short of what is required to set for the exam. So my initial disappointment was quickly replaced by the thought of realizing, as I've said, I wasn't the greatest accounting student. So what I can do, I can take an accounting class. There's a university not too far from where I was working. I could sign up and take an accounting class there since it had been 12 years since I graduated. I was, I was thinking what that would do for me is it would reintroduce me to some of these accounting concepts. It would get me back into studying about accounting. And plus, I figured if I can't do well in an accounting class, then I really have no business thinking about taking the CPA exam. So I signed up for an accounting class. It was a senior level accounting class at the University of Southern Indiana. And I go and I start taking these classes. Well, it came time for the first test, and I studied and was ready, and I remember coming in to take this exam. The first thing I noticed about the exam was it was just on those Scantron sheets, you know, where you use your pencil to blacken in the A, B, C, D, or E. So my first thought was, well, this is interesting. This is a senior-level accounting class, and the test is all multiple choice. You would think at that level, it would be a more of a solve this problem, show your work, but no, it was all multiple choice. So I took the test, came back the next week. But it's funny how things get so vividly cemented in your mind. I can remember coming back the next week after the exam. The room was one of those U-shaped rooms that was tiered, had three levels. And I was sitting in the third level in the back. So we come in, sit down, and the professor calls our names and gives us our Scantron forms. The Scantron form had a number on it. So I, in my, so I get my form, and he doesn't say anything. He just passes these out. So I take my Scantron form. I look at it. I take the number that was written on the form, and I divide it by the number of questions that were on the exam. And the number is something like 67. And I'm just devastated. And I remember thinking about just getting up and walking out of the room right then, that there's no reason for you to be in this class. There's no reason for you to think about taking this CPA exam. You can't even pass this class. You, you are dumb. You're a failure. But so far, I'm still sitting there. Then the professor goes and he picks up a marker and he starts writing on the board and he writes 88 and puts one. And then he writes the next number of puts. And so I quickly figure out what he's doing is he's putting the scores on the exam 
and how many people got the score. And he keeps going and going. And the last number he writes is 67, and he puts a one by it. So now I'm thinking, not only did I get a D, I was the absolute worst grade in this class. So now all my thoughts, all my self-doubt are getting reinforced, and I am I am literally thinking about getting up and walking out. And if I could have done it, if there would have been a back door, I would have done it. But I would have had to have gotten up, go around the side, and out the door, and everybody would have seen me leave with my tail between my legs in defeat. So I sat there, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the last class I'm going to set in. I'm not coming back. I'm giving up. So all this has gone on, and the pref- the professor still hasn't really said anything. So now that he's passed the Scantron forms out, now that he's written all the grades up on the board, now he starts to talk. And he says, well, you know, I didn't really like this question. And I didn't really like that question. And nobody did very well on this question. So after he goes through this explanation, which is all a blur to me now, but he finishes by saying, add X number to the top of your number, or add X number to the top, subtract so many from the bottom, figure that percentage, and that's your grade. So once I do that, the number's 88. So I went from being ready to walk out of the class for being the absolute worst student sitting in there to realizing I had the highest grade on the exam. And it's funny because I had almost simultaneously, I had this wave of relief and elation, which was quickly followed by anger because now I was just mad because I'm thinking either this professor who I don't remember, recall his name. All I remember is he was, he was getting close to retirement and this may have been the last semester he taught. But I just remember thinking, either this guy can't teach or he can't test. Because there is no way in the world that the best grade in a senior-level accounting class raw score should be a 67. But it was. And it was mine, which translated to an 88. I think by the end of the semester, I got a B in the class. I don't think I got an A. But I stayed in the class even though at that moment I was just so close and so ready and so willing to give up. But I stuck it out. I stayed in the class. I got the hours that I needed to qualify to set for the CPA exam. I overcame that first obstacle. And a year or so later, I did take the exam and was fortunate enough to have passed it. So the moral of this story, so to speak, is even when things look bleak, even when you really are ready to throw in the towel, Sometimes it's just too easy to give up too soon. I was so ready to give up that day, but looking back, I'm glad I didn't. So my encouragement for you today is if you're dreaming about something, if you're trying to accomplish something, if you've got some new skill you want to learn, stay at it. Don't give up too soon. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Leonard Looks at Life. I'd encourage you to check out my Friday Funny blog at leonardslines.com, and you can find me on X at leonardslines as well. Thanks, and have a great day. And don't give up.